0: So today we're going to be talking about the book of Boba Fett. It has come to a conclusion as of this past uh, Wednesday, but we're going to be talking about our thoughts on the complete series because there's been very divided opinions on this one. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this sitting at a 61% audience rating, and I believe it's somewhere around uh, 73 or so overall for critics. So yes. you can see that there is a bit of a discrepancy there, especially among Star Wars fans. The audience uh, score is usually higher than the critics, I would imagine, um, minus a couple movies here and there. But we have finished it. And uh, as of yesterday, I got around to the end of the last episode. So we are going to talk about it while it's fresh. Is there anything you want to add on to that?
1: Uh well, let's let's offer our, our overall thoughts and then sort of go through each episode very, very briefly uh, and, and talk about each of those. How's that?
0: Yeah, certainly. So I think people's main problem with uh, some of the new Star Wars media is that it hasn't really had a clear direction and it sometimes meanders. Um, I would definitely say that that was the case for a lot of this season. I do believe it was building up to something better, but I do feel like there was also time being filled in where they could have cut some things short. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, I believe, even referenced to sort of writing the sequel trilogy as it went. And um, I mean, you remember in episode nine where they said somehow Palpatine came back. Like, you know, sometimes it just seems like Disney doesn't really know what to do with this franchise besides just put out (laughs) content just to make the masses go and see it. But I can confidently say that I think this miniseries was justified by the end i thought the last three episodes in particular were very very strong and i would say that this show is probably more so aptly titled the footnote of boba fett or the citation of boba fett because it's not completely about him but that kind of works to its detriment and its benefit in multiple ways what do you think
1: yeah i think those are interesting observations i have very mixed emotions about this show I, I Overall, I'm going to say I thought it was certainly worth the watch and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think that your comment about uh, meandering is spot on. There are times I just think this moves so slowly that I wonder, you know, why? Because so much of it could have been edited. Um, it didn't bother me as much as it did some people, I think, the earlier episodes where he spent, you know, 80% of the show in the back to tank. Um, but I, I, there were just I just think it's a lot of ups and downs. It's a bit of a roller coaster for seven episodes. And overall, my feeling is that and we'll get to the number of Zs at the conclusion of the episode. But overall, I would say it's a worthwhile watch, but um, a little too inconsistent for my liking.
0: Yeah, certainly. So let's sort of dive in episode by episode. There are what, six Seven. Seven. episodes. Um, so with what you were talking about and what I previously discussed, oddly enough for this miniseries, it felt like there was very little sense of urgency, especially for the first part of it. Now, I understand we have to set the tone and the background by giving a little bit more context with some heavy flashbacks in episode one. We saw Boba Fett escape from the Sarlacc pit, which has been in Legend uh, for a long time now, and it's good to see him. That was a really, really strong point when it opened. I felt like the first episode was quite good, but in retrospect, the episodes that followed it kind of went at the same pace. I'd say for episodes two and three, I thought it was super cool how he was in the Sarlacc pit and how he got out, and then sort of how he came to lose his armor and then was taken by a Tuscan tribe. That actually really fleshed out the Tuscan Raiders, you know, these um, pretty what we would consider to be antagonistic characters in the Star Wars episodes, you know, they're always fighting the good guys in episode two and even, I believe, in um, episode four, of course. Uh, It's very interesting to see them fleshed out a little bit more, that they can be amicable and they can be good characters to train a vigilante who was previously working for the Empire. I thought it was kind of cool that he was uh, getting some combat training and obviously he was a prisoner at first, but he sort of came to gain their respect And it was a mutual uh, sort of relationship that they had that eventually sort of led to his undoing a bit uh, later on because of their, um, well, I won't spoil that for right now. But yeah, I thought the first episode was good and about where it needed to be. I can't say that it was like a 10 out of 10 for me, but I thought it well set the tone and the pace and it was good enough to start with
1: all right well episode one uh or chapter one is called stranger in a strange land and mm-hmm. just a quick synopsis is that boba fett and Fenix shand who i like very much received a series of guests receive a series of guests who intend to pay their respect however tensions rise when one guest doesn't bring a tribute i thought the first episode was one of the better episodes in part because you know first of all one of the first scenes you have is is the Jabba's palace and um the Sarlacc uh, Pit escape, as you said, was mm-hmm. really something that we've waited—I don't know—since 1983 to see. So, in the end, I thought that was a strong episode. I didn't think a whole lot happened, but I think it set the the tone for what we might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then episode two—I, you know, since you sort of talked about episodes two and three—yes, heavy on the Tuscan Raiders. Loved it. Loved it, but really don't quite understand why we were so much, so focused on the Tusken Raiders. I know it gave us the backstory on Boba, but then we didn't really get the Tusken Raiders in the second half of the season, or in particular, episode seven with the big battle. So I I didn't quite, um, I I felt like that was a bit of a missed opportunity. But episode two was called um, The Tribes of Tatooine. Thank you. And yep. Boba Fett has yep. to be prepared as he is about to face a brand new group of intense challengers on Tatooine. And, and there you have it. Yeah. Um,
0: um, I will say this, uh, just to counter what you were saying. While I do agree with some of your sentiments on why they weren't in the latter half of the series, uh, one big story element did happen. Um, and then there was actually, it contributed to the payoff, what he did learn from the Tusken Raiders. And then off screen, there was sort of this uh, thing that happened that played with his emotions that ultimately led to his confrontation with the main antagonist. So Mm -hmm. I, I do felt, I do feel like it was good enough to sort of um, get a little consistency near the end, but it did seem a little bit quick how that tribe was entirely wiped off screen. So, yeah,
1: um, Yeah. yeah. well, I think there, you know, there's some, there are some elements of this series that are the way it's told Mm -hmm. Uh, some episodes you get sort of, um, they're in almost a different order than, uh, than sort of a tr- traditional chronological order. Mm-hmm. And and that was a little not off putting but a little confusing in some cases I mean all of a sudden in the middle of the series you get the backstory on Finnick Shand and, and I liked it very much, but it was just like oh, oh okay so that's what we're doing here, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think this is a case of diminishing returns when it comes to not meeting our expectations or how we would play it out per se. It just did seem that there was very little sense of urgency, um, Mm. especially when this episode uh, came out. It felt more filler. So I think episode two was when they um, ambushed the train, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So pretty cool. You get to see Tusken Raiders uh, taking on this, uh, I don't know, the spice running train. um, Which was cool. It was cool. And I definitely felt like this was probably one of the better action portions of the series. But ultimately, this episode dragged on for way longer than it needed to be. too long. In fact, Noah, I would
1: say that some of these episodes, probably three out of four episodes were longer than they needed to be.
0: Absolutely. And that brings up another point. I felt like there was really not enough action by the time we got to sort of episodes five, six, and seven. And that might just be a me thing. But when the action did happen, it was either underwhelming or drawn out for way too long, which is a problem I had with episode seven. But Mm -hmm. um, episode two got a 90% aggregate rating on the tomato meter with 21 critic ratings. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't agree with that. I'd say it probably falls around... um, One of the weaker episodes, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: I would agree. My friend Chris thought episode two was stronger than episode one. And I can respect that, but I can respectfully disagree too.
0: Well, I think people just really like seeing Boba in action instead of, uh, you know, him just getting his butt kicked by a million different things. But what I also
1: uh, think is interesting is that the Mandalorian almost never takes his helmet off and Boba Fett almost never puts his helmet on. Oh, yeah. Boba
0: loves showing his face. I mean, (laughs) it's great to see Tamara Morrison. I mean, well over you know, 20 years later, in, uh the role, uh, he played Django Fett, obviously, and him as Boba Fett. I mean, I think it worked. That was the casting that needed to happen. Um, I thought he was good. Uh, sometimes I felt as if he was kind of like a little, I want to say, old for the role, as yeah, weird as it know, sounds.
1: And I'll tell you, he's 61 in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, no ageism here. But uh, I did. I don't think he he acts sixty one. I don't know what sixty one acts like. I'm not there yet. But um, at the end of the okay, thanks. No, I'm not. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, I was actually quite pleased that they cast him as uh, Boba Fett, given you know, today's society, everybody wants youth and, and you know, they want to reimagine everything. So I was glad that they gave him the role that is his role and belongs to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I can imagine no other person, but given the timeline of Star Wars, let's say Boba was probably 12 to 14 by the time of the Battle of Geonosis. And I want to say mm-hmm. it was probably 40 years after uh, that happened, I would imagine, so when the Almost, Star Wars yeah. timeline. So... You know, actually, it's probably right on par with how old he should have been. But mm-hmm. um, chapter three is where I really started seeing the cracks in the series, because when the series was introduced at the end of The Mandalorian season two, it was this very tiny spot where um, Boba Fett was becoming the crime lord. He was essentially yeah. ruling Jabba's palace. He came right up to Bib Fortuna and then just shot him, took him off the throne And then sat down. And that's where I thought the series was going to go rather than him being out of his armor so much. Because even in the first episode, people are coming up to him, giving him tribute, saying, hey, what can we do for you? All that kind of stuff. And then it kind of turned into him being not respected. And he had to gain the respect of his community. And like, sure, I understand that. But I thought it was going to be more bounties and things to that nature more scoundrels smugglers more you know i wonder
1: why maybe because he's a bounty hunter
0: (laughs) you know and i I thought he was going to take more of that edge but um i
1: mean he's a very nice bounty hunter i'm just going to say that yeah
0: even a (laughs) even a a pivotal character in uh, episode seven said you've gone soft in your old age and yeah yeah whether that's to uh the audience's uh benefit or um displeasure it's entirely subjective but season i mean, episode three which is called the streets of most this is really where it took a turn i thought this episode was very very boring and if i'm not mistaken this is where that speeder chase happened um near the end is that the one where it was like really really slow
1: he was really long yeah he
0: was attacked by some assassins and whatnot and i just felt like the action happened but it just wasn't very impactful it wasn't super exciting and while i'm okay with boba like you know just getting kicked around and stuff all the time i definitely felt like they made him um less capable
1: yes in this episode yes i think that's an i think the whole series made him less capable than i think he really is and should be
0: and you know one of my favorite parts about the john wick series is that Yeah, I mean, he's the best sort of assassin um, that there ever was, but I mean, the guy is not invincible. I mean, the guy gets thrown around, and he's just looking rough by the end of the movies. I think that is well done, but when you kind of take such a respected character and sort of, I want to say, neuter his intimidation because nobody respected him, like he wasn't really acting as the crime lord king in um, Jabba the Hutt's palace, I was kind of feeling that um he was becoming more lame as the series went on and i didn't really like that because i felt like episode three really encapsulated the we're talking the entire time we're doing whatever um it it just it wasn't very exciting to me
1: yeah so So um, this is boba fett gets prepared as he has to deal with two very different threats and how they will impact him so yeah
0: so, this was probably pivotal for setting up the end with the townspeople and how they don't respect him and how he's going to gain allies. But ultimately, this is that middle of the pack episode that um, sort of really falters and just wasn't
1: very exciting to watch, even if you're a yeah. big Star Wars fan. Well, and then we go to episode four, which is the episode I just recalled where Boba Fett would well, tell me the name of episode four, Z. The Gathering Storm. Okay, so Boba Fett recalls partnering with Fennec Shan to reclaim his ship, Slave One, which apparently they've changed the name of, from Jabba's Fading Empire, which is now under the control of Bib Fortuna. In the present, the pair prepare to host a banquet for most Espa's crime bosses. That was, I think, the one... Was that the episode where they um, introduced the Rancor?
0: I believe it was at the very end uh, where they gave him the gift. Um, big, and fan, big, big fan of that whole scene. Oh, yeah, and that was super cool, and I you know, I really wanted to see him just drop somebody into the Rancor pit, but, you know. I did did
1: too. I did too, but we get plenty of Rancor in episode seven, so. That's correct. So episode
0: four kind of turned things around towards the better a little bit. I definitely felt like it was super long and kind of padded out, and once again, I was thinking to myself, where's this series going? We're heading up near, uh, we're over halfway, we're getting close to the end of it. What's going on? And I, I was starting to get this opinion that, this show really wasn't for me and I was getting really de-incentivized to um, watch it because I think around this time is when I stopped catching it every week Mm -hmm. so um, a lot of people like this one I got an 86% on the tomato meter and I feel like most people can generally agree okay we're back to a good space with this uh, or so what I heard from my friends but Ultimately, I felt like there was a lot of talking in this episode, not very much action or bounty hunter-esque stuff, but that sort of becomes a bit of a theme throughout the entire show. But mm-hmm. let's talk about episodes five, six, and seven now, where oh, I think is the, the real saving grace of this entire miniseries. So it's chapter what's five. Yeah, what's called, the name? Yeah, it's called Return of the Mandalorian. And oddly enough, there's no Boba Fett in this episode
1: it is well I think he's in there for a hot second toward the end
0: yeah maybe but Mm -hmm. it is entirely about the Mandalorian and I do want to say this one of my good friends who's a Star Wars fanatic himself and really really enjoyed the show was addressing some of my concerns um about the show not really having enough Boba in it or focusing on him enough and he said I don't think the show is specifically only meant for Boba Fett I think it's meant to introduce him as more of a partnered person with the Mandalorian and sort of integrate him into what may, this is essentially uh, the beginning of Mandalorian season three. So he said, maybe the title is a bit misleading, but I definitely think they had to do the work with the Mandalorian having been gone so long to sort of show us where he is at and how the two continue their partnership later on. And I do think that was fair. I definitely think that was fair. But once again, I was really surprised not to see uh Boba Fett for most of this episode. But this was easily, easily one of the best episodes, if not the best. Um, Lots of action here. Mandalorian as cool as ever. Um, that curly haired lady made her first appearance again. And uh I can't say that I love her performances. But this was a great episode. It's sort of move the plot along by he's no longer a Mandalorian because he took his helmet off. He's broken rules. He used the dark saber. I actually really loved how much they got to use the dark saber in the series. Yeah. And it was kind of cool. That element of, it gets heavy. If you're not fighting with it, you're fighting against it.
1: Agreed. Yeah,
0: that was, that was super, super cool. And I like how, um, you know, I like how it just moved things along very nicely. It felt natural and it felt like that space Western that I was kind of hoping for throughout the other four episodes but episode five is when it started to get really really strong so I particularly appreciated how even though they took a way different direction without the central character it worked and it worked very well this is core Star Wars stuff right here and I really wish that we got to see more stuff like this all the way through the series rather than the last few episodes.
1: So the synopsis is the Mandalorian reunites with the survivors of his tribe to find out more about the Darksaber before traveling to Tatooine with new gear to meet Fennec Shand and Boba Fett to discuss, to discuss the upcoming war. Yeah, I, it was a very much a departure. You know, I have to say that um, that was the point in the series where I, I I thought, okay, well, this just this just clinches the the notion that this is a meandering kind of series and I like the 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 notion that your friend has that you know this is not only about Boba Fett mm-hmm. because clearly it is not it was a it was a good episode and um you know I thought of you of course as soon as mm-hmm. I don't know what her name is but she's uh your favorite character in all of Star Wars now I'm sure uh, <laughs> the, yeah. they really loved using her in the Mandalorian, Mandalorian episode. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, she actually I thought she was more um palatable uh there was a, he t- tolerable in in boba fett than she was in the show the mandalorian so i can agree with that i think she just played more of a
0: role rather than just being in her spaceport she actually was integral to part of helping the gang so um okay moving on to chapter six yes episode six is called from the desert comes a stranger and i thought this was the strongest episode of the entire series
1: and I like that stranger.
0: It was interesting to see Timothy Oliphant uh, come back as Cobb Vanth, the sheriff of what is now known as Freetown. Uh, big fan, big fan. Yeah. And that was the
1: space, this is the
0: space Western at its best. Absolutely. And so this is the one where we get to see Luke Skywalker the most, uh, even more so than um, the series, uh, sorry, the season finale. Of mandalorian season two and i just gotta say while i do think that creating or resurrecting people likenesses characters for the purposes of um you know entertainment can be a dangerous precedent as a deep fake i was just so blown away by the technology on display with luke do you know that they got his voice lines <clears throat> by playing clean audio from episodes uh four i believe and five And they put it through a computer that was smart enough to generate what he would sound like if they gave him new dialogue. So how crazy is that? I mean, it sounds otherworldly, but Disney definitely has the technology for it. He looked amazing. And he spoke a lot. And he moved a lot, too. I thought they were going to keep him sort of in a static position. But I thought it was great to see him sort of doing things, switching roles. He was in the vein of Master Yoda. And then Grogu, or Baby Yoda was in the position of him when he was in episode five you got to see yeah. the
1: um the so many parallels so yeah. many parallels with the empire strikes back it was just it was it was fantastic i, I would just say that as i sat and watched um I-, I was blown away as well by the cgi of the young version of luke mm-hmm. because in the in, in just the, the advances since that final episode of season two of the mandalorian mm-hmm. um you know the Uh, the visual of Luke was good, not great, I would say. Even at the time, I thought it was good, not great. It's fantastic now. So the advances or the investment Disney has made in the CGI to recreate Luke is worth every penny for those of us who are fans.
0: Yeah, I was thoroughly satisfied with that. And um, I know they did the same thing with Peter Cushing, I want to say, and Rogue One, wasn't it? It Um, And I think- Yeah, I think he looked really, really good, and some people said he looked rubbery and a little bit off, but I mean, I was still amazed at the technology, what, four, five years ago when they released that, so pretty cool stuff all around, but um, yes, uh, this episode also introduces Cad Bane, who you Uh may actually remember from the Clone Wars uh, series if you watched it, yeah. Yeah. He looks awesome. Um, he, they do he awesome. I think they do practical makeup with him and he looks great. He's intimidating. I love his slow walk and just the sense of tension that they build. Which I I like I a was, exactly. I thought it, that was sorely lacking throughout most of the series is those, you know, high noon shootouts, those, you know, very tense moments where people are just exchanging words back and forth saying like, what's going to happen? What is he gonna mm-hmm. do you know how long it takes him to walk over to Freetown, but they see him in the distance. That yep. really built up some great, great suspense. And you know what? He proved himself as an intimidating figure as well. Um, he actually shot and killed the sheriff I and the deputy. I
1: didn't like it, I was not
0: happy. I know um, I wasn't either, but ultimately I, I it was necessary. Would, I hoped he would survive, but I do think that shows how much uh, like you know how cold-blooded he can be and I do think that was necessary for advancing the motivations of Boba Fett and the town because clearly he's ruthless and he'll do whatever it takes to get the job done so I thought that was really really well done um Cad Bane's introduction I mean excellent this was definitely one of the best episodes and I'm happy to see um that Luke was going to start his Jedi Academy and sort of, you know, interacting with Grogu.
1: My question for you is at the end, because this was a question my friend had for me. um, Did, I mean, if you thought through it, like I should have, I would have known the answer. But the question was at the conclusion of that episode, which direction did you think Grogu was going to go in? Meaning when the gift uh, was presented to him by Luke and it was either follow me in the ways of the Jedi or become, follow the ways of the Mandalorian. I knew it was going to be the Mandalorian because first of all, everybody who thinks through that knew that. And I, in, in the moment, I was just sort of wishing because, you know, I'm all about the Jedi, but of course he's going to follow the Mandalorian. I wanted it to be uh, for the Jedi order because uh, it would be hard to
0: implement Luke a lot into like another series. And obviously that CGI is probably extremely expensive and it just probably wouldn't be as practical, but the Mandalorian is Disney's biggest Star Wars media franchise right now. And there is no way they're going to miss out on a merchandising opportunity with Grogu. I mean, you know, it, it was I, I love Luke's quote. A short time for you is a lifetime for somebody else. So, yes. yeah, that was interesting, too. But I, they couldn't drop him. I, I knew the second he left at the uh, season finale of The Mandalorian season two, he was coming back very, very soon. So, oh, um, for sure.
1: Yeah, Yeah, before we move on to the final chapter, I just want to say the synopsis for episode six uh, is Fett and allies discuss ways to win the upcoming war despite their lack of manpower. Jaren, is it the Jaren? Jaren visits Grogu, but is confronted with a difficult choice. The conflict between Fett and the Pikes impact the small town of Freetown. So just as we said.
0: Yeah, and weirdly enough, I felt like sort of him building up uh, rapport with the town came a lot later and it seemed like, Did they introduce the spice runners um, before episode four or five? Because I remember Cobb Vanth shot like three or four of them when they were going to set up something in Freetown and he kicked over that uh, whole thing of sands or spice, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Was that, was the whole spice conflict that eventually led to the finale, the climax of uh, episode seven introduced until later in the series because I didn't know that. I, 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 I know it was
1: that's that's a bit of a hang up I have because I don't think it was.
0: Yeah. So it's just it's almost like you know, the first three, four episodes are entirely different from uh-huh. the latter three themselves. Um, yeah, I, I just I like the idea of the spice trade, but in the crime syndicate, but perhaps we could have learned about that earlier to establish something to be working and building up towards against. Um, but yeah, let's move on to episode seven. Okay. So, episode seven is called "In the Name of Honor," and the synopsis reads: Boba Fett and Finnick Shand, which is his sidekick, face an escalating conflict. And face an escalating conflict, they do. Uh, they start preparing uh, to attack, uh, and Cad Bane and him do another standoff. And okay. that's where he says, "You've gone soft in your old age." And I love what he responded back. He said, "We all do," and. Then they sort of surprised attacked to them afterwards. And I thought the action on display was good, but I was in and out of it in terms of my entertainment. This episode dragged on for so long with those giant droids that were following them. And I feel like the action sequence, the big battle, could have cut probably close to 10 minutes out of it. It was good, but it was so drawn out. So, yes, they're not a bunch of Jedi fighting, you know, droids or, you know, it's not some incredibly powerful force versus some incredibly weak force. But I do feel as if it just lasted a bit too long, but it was good to see Grogu make, um, you know, be reintroduced with Mando, of course, and I thought... Boba Fett and Mando working together was so cool. Loved seeing all those wrist rockets and, uh, you know, jet packs. I loved seeing them work together and the differences between his armor and Boba Fett's armor. Really cool stuff all around. But why were they shooting at those shields after two minutes of understanding that that's not going to happen? Nothing's going to happen to it. I mean, the
1: Darksaber couldn't get through the shield either.
0: And I was surprised by that. I was pretty surprised by it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have to say to you that I um, agree with with quite a bit of what you're saying. I, I thought that the the battle or the conflict was a little anticlimactic because it was so drawn out. I think if they had shaved a good 10 minutes off it, it would have felt a little more suspenseful. And I would have been a little more involved in it. There were some scenes where I felt like the actors were just sort of going through the motions, Um and that really bothered me. I will right? say this. Uh, yeah, it just was just. I don't. I, I thought it was a very good finale, and you knew Grogu was going to come and help try to save the day, and essentially did. But I, I thought, for me, the steam sealer in the entire show was. Uh, I don't know how you describe him, but he was the. He worked for the mayor. Um, the guy who came with no tribute the first episode. Oh, um, you mean
0: the. Um... The guy who's the name. same alien species as Bib Fortuna?
1: Yes. My oh, friend the guy Mark who's, right now is listening like, and like, I can't believe you don't know his name. Yeah. He's yeah. the
0: mediator. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, so he's a Twi'lek species, I suppose. Okay, and that's right. He provided a little bit of comedy relief here and there. I, I, I mildly enjoyed him. I, I didn't find him as annoying as he probably was supposed to be made out to be, but um, he, he was pretty funny in parts for
1: sure. I thought in the first episode when he was introduced, I thought, Oh, this is a really bad actor. But then I decided, no, no, that was, that was, he was supposed to be swarmy and, um, uh, add some humor into it. I, I liked him and I'm glad he survived because I'm, I'm all in for more of him, uh, to support, you know, the main characters.
0: I, yeah, I do too. Um, I liked him. I didn't think he was a scene stealer necessarily, but, uh I do feel like humor was kind of quickly interspersed with moments of extreme tension at some points where it just didn't necessarily work. And I mean, I know the show isn't supposed to be super serious all the time because there's obviously appeal for all audiences, general audiences, rather than, you know, maybe an older subset. But um, I think the best part of uh, the series finale to what I, or the mini series finale. Was the face off between Cad Bane and Boba Fett? Here's why I think that payoff of the Tusken Raider training came through. I felt like he was holding his emotion back. Mm-hmm. He was trying to take control of it, which is a huge theme in Star Wars,
1: you know. Which is under, what Finnish Band was telling him he needed to do. Right. Because
0: ultimately, it, that is one of your greatest weaknesses living out of fear or uh, extreme anger. And um, in this
1: galaxy and that galaxy. And you know,
0: Cad Bane did his extremely slow walk again, but it made it—it it made it so that you knew this was going to be the big final confrontation. And Boba Fett essentially lost this. I loved it when he said, "You know, you're getting old." And he said, "That may be true, but I'm still faster than you." And that was yeah. true. Cad Bane was a more f- formidable um, gunslinger. Yeah, but well, and I mean, he, ha- he would
1: have to be to be so confident in that sort of slow steady face off and you know what that was that was super cool when he's talking about you know
0: killing Cobb Vanth he was saying you should have never left him without your armor or you should have never given uh Boba Fett your armor I mean Mm. it just it's so evil and it's so antagonistic you know it's that Cad Bane just like it's that guy that you root against but you're still like this is so cool to see him here so I suppose um I suppose he did die. Um, I have a friend who believes that he did not uh, necessarily, but I, you kind of have, I'd, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that comes through. But no. I thought the final confrontation was cool because Boba Fett had lost by his bounty hunter and means of what he'd been doing all of his life, being quick on the draw and, you know, fighting in that way. But he won because of his training with that uh, Tuscan tribe. And the combat that he learned from that so i thought that was super cool that he was able to finish the payoff there that's how he won against cad bane because that's something that he had that cad bane did not i thought it was interesting that he as a bounty hunter could not necessarily win in that way but through knowing the ways and interacting with this group of people from this particular planet that's how he came out on top thought that was super
1: cool yeah i was a big fan of the um the payoff with the rancor, I thought it was a little excessive. Um, you yes. know, I think I think the rancor works better when he's in his pit in in what is now Boba Fett's Palace. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, good. Now we're gonna get a little bit of um, you know, sort of payoff fan service by um, you know, enjoying some scenes with uh the rancor, you know, essentially taking care of business uh in the in the final battle. So in yeah. the end, I thought it was um a satisfying conclusion to a seven episode season mm-hmm. i want to know noah how many z's you would give the book of boba fett on a scale of one to five z's on a scale
0: of one to five um had the last three episodes uh, not been nearly as strong i probably would have been sitting around uh two but i think i'm going to give it a solid three i feel like three and a half feels like too much but i think it's a solid three Uh, I really didn't enjoy some episodes, but I very much enjoyed uh, the last part of the season. But overall, I do wish that it was a more consistent vehicle for Boba Fett. And ultimately, I just don't really think it lived up to expectation per se, but showed us new things along the way that, you know, us Star Wars fans can definitely appreciate. So um, I'm going to give it three Zs out of five.
1: Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half Z's. I, um, I, it grew on me. I think part of it is the expectation. We sort of had this idea of what the show would be, one, because of the title, but two, because we've now seen two seasons of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a little bit of a pass on the fact that we're judging it by standards of The Mandalorian. I learned a lot. I enjoyed it. I There's a lot of fan service in this show. And you know, I've said this before in many an episode, I'm a fan, so mm-hmm. serve me. So overall, I'd give it three and a half of these. All right, cool.
0: Well, yeah, I, I think it's definitely good. I think sometimes when it comes to Star Wars, I'm a little bit more um, critical. And I do appreciate that you being a fan since the beginning, you can still really love this new media, you know? Oh, yeah. No so question. I, I no think questions. that's important. I think it's important we, that you be able to enjoy it.
1: And we now know that in May, the Obi-Wan series is premiering.
0: Speaking of, let us move to check it out. Um, so... Yeah, I'm expecting to see the first TV spot for Obi-Wan during during the Super Bowl. Bowl. Yes, yes. Um, that would make a lot of sense. Um, it's not confirmed, but it's it's got to be. And there's another big announcement coming on May 4th. My buddy and I were talking about it uh, the other night, but I can't remember what it was. But my real check it out is... Go and watch the animated Clone Wars uh, shorts from 2003. There are two seasons. Um, and I think season one came out in 2003 and season two came out in 2004. This is the stuff with Dirge, the Assage Ventress introductions and battles. And it was made by um, Gennady tartovsky who is known for Samurai Jack on Cartoon Network. And so these appeared on Cartoon Network uh, before episode three. So this was sort of the in-between that we got to see after episode two and obviously before Revenge of the Sith. And I watched a few last night. They're still really good. I mean, the art style is great. The animation is pretty amazing. And the first season is 19 years old. 19 years. Do you remember when we watched those together a long, long time ago?
1: In this galaxy. (laughs) Yeah, but overall,
0: I think it is very, very well done. I mean... There's whole segments with Mace Windu and, of course, Yoda and then Count Dooku. I think it does a really good job of showing just how interesting these characters are in such an amazingly important media franchise. Um, I mean, it's on Disney Plus. Really great stuff. I mean, I can't believe it's almost 20 years old. But once again, this also introduced General Grievous uh, for the first time, which was pretty cool. His introduction is awesome. So go and check that out. It's on Disney+. Plus. Hmm.
1: That's a good one. I think I will. I also have to say that uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to say that my Check It Out is Disney-oriented or is uh, Star Wars-oriented, but it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of a departure here. I, I got a lot of Check It Outs right now. So I am going to recommend um, a film that okay. I saw that you have also seen. Okay. And okay. the film is called Nobody with Bob <laughs> Odenkirk and so your mom and i watched it a couple of weeks ago because you and luke uh i think saw it separately but both said it was it was pretty good and i'm all about a film like that and um i would have to say it did not disappoint it's uh, i like short films i think a lot of people know that who listen to this podcast and it's only about an hour and a half hour and 35 hour and 40 minutes and um you accomplish quite a bit it's uh It's about a guy who has a secret past, I guess, or he's actually suppressing his past because he is uh, a trained fighter. I guess it's his FBI training or whatever from his, and his dad was as well. And uh, he makes some enemies along the way and they think they can get away with it. And his family has no idea or his wife does, but his family, his children don't uh, realize that he has the past that he has. And um, let's just say that he, um, uh, uh, he is put on the defense and, um, is very capable of defending himself and his family. And, uh, so it's a bit of a revenge film, but not really. So that's why I think it's, it's worth checking out because it's, uh, it's a tight drama, um, with a theme of protection and, um, experience and, um, just sort of making sure that, uh, you can protect the people and the ones you love. So check it out. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) We watched that in the theaters, I remember, and um, I believe The Writer is the same one for the John Wick series. It has very similar yeah, parallels. That. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Bob Odenkirk is quite good in that movie. And then the guy from Back to the Future, what's his name? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. He's kicking it. I mean, he's got to be- I'm telling 80s, you, your 90s. mom and I were like,
1: Christopher Lloyd, he was old back in Back to the Future in 1985, so good for <laughs> him for- for, I know. Uh, yeah. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that Bob Odenkirk almost was Michael Scott in The Office? You know,
0: having seen Breaking Bad, I can actually see the comedic element of this, but Michael is, um <laughs> he's Steve Carell. I mean, Steve Carell is
1: irreplaceable. Steve Carell is irreplaceable.
0: Yeah. Well, so. at least uh, Bob Odenkirk got his due with one of the best TV shows of all time and Breaking Bad. So cool. Okay. Great. Thank you for uh, that check it out recommendation. But I think this is where we're going to cap it off. So thank you for listening to another episode with us. Uh, We'd love to talk about Star Wars and we will be back with uh, the Obi-Wan series. And we're probably going to do
1: one or two episodes on that for sure. But we'll be back every week in between now and the Obi-Wan series as well. So be sure to check us out. Um, Noah's going to be posting about this episode, I'm sure, because the Book of Boba Fett is very much in the zeitgeist right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to interact with us on Instagram and any other social media that we're making our way toward.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's just a work in progress, you know. <laughs> but yeah, oh, but we've
1: got big things coming. Big
0: Absolutely. things coming. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that in mind, I'm Noah, and I'm Greg, and this is Easy Talk.